in. Take us in. Do I need to clap again, or are we good with no, clapping? No, no, no. <laughs> no you can clap once. One clap we're, is good. We're synced up. We're fine. Welcome, Super Nerd Pals, to the fifth edition Dungeons & Dragons session. Prologue. Woo! Also known as episode 99 for now. And who is this mysterious new voice on the podcast? Hey, my name's Kevin. Friend with Chris. General acquaintance of the other near duels here. Hey, don't understate yourself. You're like super active on the <laughs> Super Nerd Pals Facebook group, so you're like already family. I, I press true. the like button a lot. It's yes, you do. It's good enough for me. <laughs> I mean, it counts. It's cool. So Kevin's our dungeon master. Uh, Chris pulled him out of the ether to join us. <laughs> um, I'm Stan Gadurski. You already know me. I'm Andy Karasquillo. I'm Chris Sampson. You already know them. I'm Ryan. I've been here before. You better know her. <laughs> <laughs> and we all here. And we are the pals of nerdiness. Yep. Bunch of nerds, and we're gonna we're gonna be playing or setting up a D and D campaign. Uh, just for some context, uh, especially Stan and I. I'm not sure about the rest of you guys, but we're really big fans of a D and D podcast called The Adventure Zone, hosted by the McElroy brothers, and. You know, inspired by that, we wanted to start our own D&D podcast. And um, for some of us, we have experienced uh, about, or we have experience with the game. And for others, uh, it's we're completely new to this. This is our first game. Um, so I, I think it would be, it'd be nice to go around the table and uh, just introduce ourselves and, our, and explain our experience. With D&D, whether you actually played a game, or you listen to a podcast, or maybe you watch Critical Role, so on and so forth. So Kevin, since you are Dungeon Master, I think it's appropriate for you to start. Alright, uh, Kevin Doherty here. Um, I first got into uh, D&D actually through uh, the webcomic Penny Arcade, with their Acquisitions Incorporated uh, series with their live games at the PAX events and stuff like that. Um, and then I uh, uh, listened to a lot of uh, Critical Role with that D&D podcast. Playing-wise, I've uh, I've DM'd a bit. I've played a lot more in like the local gaming stores that have the official encounters uh, campaigns going on. But now I get home too late from work to play there, so I have to bother you guys <laughs> to get my to get my uh, fix. <laughs> Great, nice, Stan. How about you? I have my name is Stan Gadurski, and I and I have never played a dungeon or a dragon on pen or paper. <laughs> I have played many video games based on the rules, which are probably really old right now. Uh, one time when I was like twelve. I bought a board game of Dungeons and Dragons and got too confused and stopped playing. Here I am now. <laughs> Andy, I'm Andy Carasquillo. I feel like I feel like we're in a like a what is it? Can't even Adventurers think of it. Anonymous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I've always, of course, heard of Dungeons and Dragons and always been interested in it. And uh, I've set up a few nights to play D&D, &D, and they have all fallen through until now. 
Well, hopefully this will be ongoing, and you know, one year later we'll be ha- we're celebrating our D and D anniversary, and we'll do something super special. And Andy, you could say you're a seasoned seasoned vet D and D already. Awesome. Uh, and Ryan, how about you? Uh, I've never played this in my life. Uh, I've watched people play it <clears throat> in college. I lived in a giant house, and there was a couple of occasions where I would come in and I would hear lots of screaming and shouting and and people hovered over uh, a very large table filled with all of this stuff so that's exactly what they were doing um i watched stranger things and watched kids play it and i was like why did i not do this as a as a child so this is sort of like my first experience with this i'm both nervous and very excited excellent excellent um yeah, it's pretty cool how like especially in the last couple of years and D has has been exploding and more as a spectator sport quote-unquote i mean i guess i don't know maybe it's not the right term but there's definitely a phenomenon especially like critical role a whole bunch of like dnd podcasts and um and it's been exploding more in pop culture recently so like stranger things is one big thing you know um, there's like a parks and rec episode but yeah it's pretty great uh as for me my name is chris sampson i've played dnd on and off since i guess like middle school Middle school or like beginning of high school. The first time I ever played, one of my friends, uh, me and him were in the same Boy Scout troop. So he invited me to a, a, a campaign. It was like 3.5 edition and it was a lot of fun. Um, since then, I've played like a handful of campaigns. One time, like uh, it was like an urban fantasy ca- campaign in high school, one or two campaigns in college. Kevin and I, we uh, we were in a campaign together. Wait, Kevin, did you di- did you DM that one too? Yeah, it was uh, the, our first foray into to fifth edition, a failed That's attempt, right. but fun nonetheless. And I also done a bit of Pathfinder, so um, I'm not like a hardcore D and D player, but I'm casual. I'm a casual player, and I have uh, experience, but like I'm always ha- always been looking for excuse to play more and to get like a more consistent game going because most games i've been involved with don't last for more than like several sessions like i've never played D for more than like a year in like the same campaign and i hope to do that here also kind of related like dnd's kind of dnd's related to my job i mean D is technically part of my job um because i work at a tabletop gaming accessories company and our the products that we sell like dice rings and counter rings they're insanely popular with tabletop rpgs or pen and paper rpgs so so especially D. and like 50 percent of my job is posting D memes and and images and gifs so it's pretty cool now that introductions are done kevin take us away we're going to be creating our characters and establishing backstories all that fun stuff excellent so um for those of you not familiar with all the rules and, and stuff like that, 5th edition is one of my favorites just because it makes the game so accessible to people who haven't played before. As as Chris said, 3.5, which is actually Pathfinder, it's not an official set of uh, <laughs> rules from Wizards, it was like made by the masses, had so many rules. Like, playing a casting character was, you needed a... a a data dictionary <laughs> with everything going on with that stuff. So um, they've made it a lot more streamlined as far as the game progresses. There are still a ton of rules, as you guys no doubt 
uh, see and, and things like that. In, uh, in that frame of mind, a lot of rules are going to conflict with each other, uh, like general rules versus specifics on how like your particular character works. So if it's, uh, if, if you, if you're ever faced with like conflicting rules, it's always specific over general. Um, and then, uh, when we get into the character creation, sometimes for like caster levels, amount of spells, you're multiplying by your level and then dividing by two. And we just always round down for stuff like that. I don't know. Did you guys decide if you wanted to, um, roll for stats or like buy them off of the ability score point chart because i don't care how I you actually get them for stats yeah i think we're rolling i use the 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 46 rolling rule that's uh that's how i calculate my stats so you already uh, calculated right. chris you fucked up we're supposed to do a live <laughs> oh okay <laughs> <laughs> well you might get better ones damn it rolling. chris Okay, how about how about this? How about I roll, and if I don't like my new stats, can I keep my old one? <laughs> yeah, you can roll for advantage on yeah. stats. We'll just we'll just say they're the new ones. It's fine. <laughs> no one will know. Okay, but we will. We, you guys will. <laughs> but I'm will sorry. you? You don't yeah, know what his well, original actually, ones are. True. I do. I have no idea what the fuck's going on. It's all right. Uh, are your original? Are your stats like really really good, Chris? Probably. Well, his character is broken, so no matter what, <laughs> I try to be like, super job. honest and not cheat. So, like, I I used a fifth edition character generator app, and the first rolls I got, I I, I, I stuck with. So, my my stats on the the first roll, they're decent. They're not like super over OP great. If I roll really good stats, that'll be that'll be great for me. But <laughs> we'll see. That's like the one thing I wasn't sure how to like go about doing or like selecting any of that crap like when i was reading through everything i highlighted things where i was like well this fits what i've built but i don't know if i can actually just do that so in terms of like rolling or anything i don't really have anything for that i have everything else except that which is kind of the whole point of it so it's that's what yeah that's why we're doing this (laughs) so there's um there's two ways to build a character that most people prescribe to you can either be a min maxer which you know you try to pick your character and then you pick your background based on wanting to increase your stats as much as you can and then when you roll you min max your stats to where you don't have any horrible deficiencies and hopefully are awesome at like one or two things and then there's uh people who just build characters because they find them interesting like you pick a background based on not necessarily having uh, the best stats or the best advantages. You might even have some um, skills that are redundant of your class, uh, but it makes for a much more interesting character as something to play. It's what I did. I think that's what I did. Andy and Chris are min maxers. I think Ryan are going <laughs> to like go in for interesting story. Yeah, I think I'm a hybrid. I think I definitely went way too far with the with the backstory because I no I, was reading, I, I did too I mean I like was reading this and I was like I understand what that is but I'm gonna take an element of something and just go with that so I don't know if I was necessarily allowed to do that but we'll find out we'll we'll see and for the most part it'll probably be great um, having more connection to your character makes it a more 
realistic playing experience, I guess, is the way to describe it. So mm-hmm. it's not you playing this person, you are this person. Um, so for for rolling stat- stats, it's uh, 4d6, and the dice are d, and then the number of sides, so like a normal six-sided dice. Um, and then typically you drop the lowest number, and the sum of the remaining three are going to be one of your stats. Uh, you can roll for uh, all six numbers and then allocate them, so you're not rolling like, oh, I'm going to roll for strength on this roll, and you know it comes up with terrible numbers and you're a strength-based class and you're broken forever. Um, So you'll roll all of your numbers and then assign them to whatever attributes you feel would benefit your character or make for a hilarious character, you know, however you want to do it. Right, so Um, so we're basically getting six individual numbers and then we're plugging them in where we see fit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, So you're going to roll the 4d6, drop the lowest number, um, because it'll kind of make... I guess survivability easier. I'll let you guys re-roll any ones. So, you know, worst case scenario, you roll 4d6, they all come up one, you're stuck with a stat of three. And <laughs> that's going to be a, a serious negative modifier, like negative four. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're um, an entertainment comedy podcast first, and uh, a hard and fast rule second. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and yeah, uh, so you guys can re-roll any ones. Um, and then uh, we'll assign them to whatever you see fit. And then uh, that ability score is also increased by your racial selection traits. Um, and I think it was Andy who asked, does uh, like the sub race traits stack with the uh, yeah, with the, with the main race. race traits? So yeah, like if you pick um, hill dwarf, you get the regular dwarf attribute increases and then also the hill dwarf one. So they do stack. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. All right. So how do you want to do this? You want to go around the table and we introduce our characters and then we rolled some dice or. I think, yeah, I think we should just go around, uh, name your character name, race, class, and like a short elevator pitch on their backstory. And then we can start doing rolling, stats. Do some hardcore rolling. And then to end the episode, Kevin's going to give us a prologue of his campaign. So we know what we're doing going in to episode. 100! 100! Yeah! Woo! Uh, so who wants to start? Hmm. Who put in the most work? Uh, it sounds like Besides maybe me? Ryan. No, no, Besides no, 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 don't start with me. Okay. Okay, I actually put a lot of work into it. I mean, well, not in terms of, not in terms of like, time investment, but in terms of, like, density. Cause, I like, think, alright, so I think Chris could, should go first because he has a little experience setting up a character, and then the three yeah. of us can listen to him and, and like, okay, I'll, I'll just do figure that. Figure it out, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, I agree. Alright, so my character is a tiefling, and for those Damn who it, are Chris! Not... <laughs> are you a tiefling as well? <laughs> I'm not saying, you gotta wait for my turn. Alright, if you're not familiar with a tiefling's... They're a race whose bloodlines, their origins are from human bloodlines, um, mixed with infernal heritage. So I don't, I, I don't remember if like sh- like these particular humans like made a deal with the devil. Ooh. Maybe a human and the devil got got it on, I and think, they made yeah. babies. But I, I think it's whatever you want it to be. I was thinking more like, like Faustian kind of thing, but yeah. Uh, so, so that's, uh, so basically 
tieflings are like humans with like demonic slash devilish fiendish traits. So I'm making a female tiefling character. I have to make I have to complicate things. You know, we saw we saw how that happened with like the Wi-Fi and connecting to my laptop and like blah blah blah. So I've always had in mind to create like a, a or create and play a new class or custom class. I was inspired by this like D D meme slash joke gif. I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called the Punch Wizard, and it's this monk or this fighter, you know, using his fist to cast magic spells. Um, so think of it a lot like Armstrong from FMA. Um, you know, he just punches things and like giant pieces of rock turn to like arrow missiles. And this was an idea that has been bubbling in my head maybe at least a year. How it first started out, I wanted to create a character who was a monk and had like these special gauntlets. And then you roll like a special die and depending on the dice roll. Uh, these gauntlets would channel like a different elemental arcane effect. So like if I roll like a one, it could have been my attacks like shoot fireballs. If I roll like a two, all my melee attacks does additional ice damage. Uh, so it had like this roulette effect. Um, so I talked it over with Kevin and uh, we decided, oh, well, he, he basically wrote up the class uh, called the Mage Fist. So it wanted to be OP. Um, so I don't want to take up so much time to ex- to go through the entire document. Um, but basically, a TLDR, there was this monk who was having a racial slash societal cultural conflict between his monk's school and a bunch of elves that were living nearby. And the monks were were pill or like we're not pillaging. But they were cutting down a bunch of forests to expand their monk school. Uh, this really pissed off the elves, so there was like this brewing conflict uh, that was escalating. This monk uh, named Talfin Oakenheart traveled all the way to this far land uh, to meet the Fey Queen to ask for help to alleviate tensions between the elves and the monks. The Fey Queen. Um, couldn't intervene, but she taught him the special type of magic. Once training was complete, he left this magical force where the fake queen made her home. But unknown to this monk, when traveling to the fake queen's dominion, he got trapped in this weird time-space distortion warp thing. So uh, at least 50 years passed by while, while he was in this space training with the fake queen but it only felt like a couple of months to him so when he came back the monk monastery was in ruins and nature and, and the forest were reclaiming the monks like and no no one uh, no one that he knew was around anymore he confronted the elves about it and then he found out 50 years had passed and the elves had destroyed the monk monastery in a burst of rage and unknown to him, but his time in the Fey world imbued him with magical powers. He unleashed this terrifying Eldritch Blast, killed all the elves, and he discovered that he had these powers mixing monk and sorcerer um, elements. So time passed, and he basically started the Mage Fist Academy. Okay, yeah, which is centered in the Null Watch Mountains. 
So my character, she's like 25 years old. She's 5'11", 125 pounds. With tieflings, they often have like weird, infernal, demonic, physical character traits. So for her, uh, she has like lilac skin. Uh, she has black eyes with purple irises. Uh, she has long black hair with streaks of purple. And the side of her head is shaved, so think of it like so you're like playing Sombra, Sombra. from Over- Overwatch. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I want the Sombra haircut. And on the side where she has a shaved head, uh, she has a a long black demon horn that's uh, sticking out of her head or near her temple, and it's flecked with specks of purple as well. So for a backstory, she was born a tiefling on the forested outskirts of a human town. That was fairly superstitious and slightly fundamentalist in its practice of religion. And tieflings already are prone to suspicion. You know, a lot of them aren't treated that well. Also, uh, to backtrack, Sage is not her real name. Her real name is Grisella. So she, she was born to tiefling parents and they lived in the forest and kind of away from the human town. As a young child, she was like wildly imaginative and precocious. And she showed like a remarkable aptitude for athletics and martial arts. Based on the Mage Fist class, she has elements of wild magic. These are evocations of chaotic magic comes out of her. The, these bouts of wild magic effects explode out of her uh, in times of extreme emotion. So, t- so as a child, she obviously didn't have a lot of control over it. So she was orphaned at an early age. Since she was so into like athletics and martial arts, and she was like wildly imaginative, she created her own like fake religion as a, like a half joke. Uh, and this fake religion worshipped a fabricated deity, magic, magicology, magicology. That's right. Um, that's some Harry so, Potter shit right there. Exactly. A lot. This is this is like half the fun of D anD D, just making shit up and make it becoming canon. Uh, so she created a fabricated deity inspired by warrior deities, and it also encapsulated her her not understanding what her wild magic is. Because like sometimes she would get mad and she accidentally set things on fire, or or she would start levitating and she would have no idea how it happened. Out of that lack of understanding, she like encapsulated that to her fake deity. So uh, and the wild magic was a menace- manifestation of her god's presence and power. Again, she was also like a mischievous child, so she would often go to the human town, even though her teeth of parents didn't really want her to, because of her racial heritage. And she would start like being. She would fashion herself as a would-be prophet and would proselytize her fake religion as a joke or just to entertain her and herself. That's a real, um, that's real far to take a joke. Like creating yeah. <laughs> religion and like well. I mean, she's a kid and she's like wildly imaginative and you know, she's also like super sheltered cuz like she lived in the forest and she doesn't have a lot of outside contact with the world. So that's why her background is outlander. So she's in town and Tieflings are already regarded with suspicion and at the time when she's like doing her weird hobby um, a new ruler in town recently took over, and he was like a hardcore firebrand, and he basically branded her as a heretic and incited, incited a huge riot 
against her, which caused lots of early childhood trauma for her. She fled back to her home. The rioters followed her and killed her parents. This instilled the most powerful bout of wild magic she she ever conjured ever she basically con- conjured like a giant huge huge fireball which injured many people and killed like a, like, like a couple of people and the, this of course did not make things any better it just it escalated the situation uh or right about she was about to be killed a stranger in town who happened to be a mage fist practitioner and master he was rolling through the town looking for recruits he noticed Grisella's natural talent but he didn't get there in time to save her parents but he got there in time to fend off the rest of the rioters and adopted her took her under his wing taught her for several years uh the the ways of the mage fist academy and actually understanding for the first time what her abilities were and this master his name is seizo uh at the time he was very very old uh he was a human mage fist practitioner um but with monks at a certain level they stop aging but they could still die at old age so he was very old but he still had enough time to teach grisella the fundamentals of, of a mage fist he died peacefully and grisella paying tribute to his honor for not only saving her life but teaching her her the extent of her true abilities and changing her life for the for the better she cast off her old name uh changed her name to seiza in the honor of her master and took up his cause to continue the training and recruitment of new students into the matrix academy so she became a wandering nomad and she's basically trying to gather more students to her school the 36th chamber of mage fist Exactly. <laughs> and this ties in to Kevin's prologue, because how he established it. Um, my Wait, don't, character... spoil, don't spoil his prologue. He's got to read his prologue. Okay, okay, Kevin, so do you want me to hold off? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take care of that. I have something for um, Stan as well. So that's pretty much it. Sounds good, man. You gonna you gonna roll some stats now? You gonna tell us maybe a couple flaws that this character has? Okay. Actually, I actually haven't done the person uh, like the the roles for like ideals, bonds, and flaws. But well, you we can just pick those. You don't have to roll them. I okay. did that. I did too. I, I did too. No, I got more excited up. by that than anything else. I was like, this one has to be damaged as fuck. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Same. Um. Well. For me, I'll I'll go back to the flaws on like the the bonds and stuff. Like I haven't actually I haven't gone to that part yet. But in terms of stats, I mean, how should this work? Because like I have my original stats that I rolled before. Oh, if you want, I... you could just keep them if you like them. You just tell us what those stats are, and we can go to somebody else. Because we're just... or you can re-roll if you think yeah. that they're not good. Yeah. It's up to you, man. This is your only opportunity to do that. If you okay. Wanna. How about we finish going around the circle and then do stats? Because I don't... Stats are, like, a little bit time-consuming, and I don't want to waste time, like... We're going to have to do that during the show, though, because we're going to be rolling. Lots of rolling's going to happen. Or you can roll stats while someone else is talking about their character. Let's let's do that. Okay, but wait. Because I don't want to waste time. I just want to make sure we're clear. We're rolling four of the six-sided die. Yeah, 46. We're dropping... 
we're dropping the lowest number out of the you, four. Yeah, and then you take that number and assign it to one of the six attributes. So, like, de- strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. So we do that six times first, and then once we have our six numbers, then we slot them in wherever we want. Correct. All right, so... And because I'm a benevolent DM, you can reroll any ones. Okay. And we're gonna okay. we're doing this on the honor system. Do not cheat, because I'm sure somebody's got like six cents, and we'll, we'll Kevin will know if you're fucking up. If we'll, if you come at me with all eighteens, I'm gonna make you reroll. <laughs> um, but but real quick before we continue for for characters, um, for wild magic, uh, if you don't know how it works it's a mechanic in the rules um sorcerers can either be of draconic descent or have wild magic and since chris is a uh a hybrid i just decided that it would make more sense to just be imbued with power from spending too much time in the feywild and that's how this class came to be but anytime a sorcerer, or in Chris's case, a, uh, <laughs> a mage fist, casts a spell um, starting at second level. So when he's level two, um, he needs to roll an additional d20. And if he gets a one on that roll, then he rolls on the wild magic table, which is a crazy table with things that really don't affect anyone at all, like uh, butterflies appear around you for the next minute <laughs> to accidentally casting AoE fireball spells. So... For like narrative purposes, I, I'm so excited because you I roll a D one hundred and there's like a ton of crazy effects. Both like some effects are like really positive, some effects are like really weird. For example, there's one I forget I think you roll like some some number in the twenties where you I just turn blue and I can't unturn my myself <laughs> from being blue unless i use like remove curse spell so I, so like i love like i can't wait i can't wait to have like these weird wild magic effects happen and see how you guys react to it because there's, there's some some really funny and weird ones that, that could happen so i'm really excited can i ask a stupid question is spell casting a prerequisite for like all the characters no. no. Oh, thank God. Because <laughs> I was going to say, this so does not apply. No, with it's, me, it's, anyway. it's class dependent. Okay, awesome. No, there's there's going to be specific ones who can cast, and then only sorcerers and this uh, <laughs> hybrid class have the wild magic option at all. So you can look at it as like sorcerers, their magic comes from innate talent um that they don't necessarily control versus like a wizard or a warlock where it's learned or imparted by a evil deity for warlocks but you know more learned knowledge rather than innate talent okay all right so the next person can go and while they're talking i'll roll my stats okay who wants to go next you should me yeah you (laughs) i all right i guess i go next um yeah judgy so, um, all right. I have a female tiefling. Um, God damn! We're, 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 we're gonna get along great. But I would say the Batman to Chris's Superman is my tiefling's character. Um, she has a birth name, but she's not gonna tell anybody, so that's a secret. Um, she is gonna be a rogue. And I will basically read 
what I wrote for her um, biography. She's basically going to be a hard-boiled detective character. And her so her chosen name is Sleuth. And so Sleuth grew up on the streets, a nameless orphan. She never knew her parents, and she was only left with a locket containing her birth name. Um, her, that was her only possession for many years. Sleuth is fiercely protective of it. Of it. Uh, the lock fueled a curiosity within her that was soon turned outward to the city she had grown in and its inhabitants. So she basically grew up on the streets. Um, she's an urchin. Um, she never knew birth parents. She was left with just one sort of clue to what her heritage was. And she essentially became very curious about herself and the world around her. And so she would ask a lot of questions. Um, she was alone and poor. She barely scraped by, um, but she used her curiosity and perception to study people. Um, she would case buildings, um, and she turned to a life of minor crime to provide food for herself. Um, but her skills in tracking and reading people developed to the point where other people, um, would come to her when they needed to find something or someone. Um, so that coupled with her natural roguish talents allowed her to often make coin solving minor cases that often slip by the local authorities who didn't venture into the slums essentially um so the jobs as an investigator paid well enough for her to eat and stay somewhere safe so she found this as a better alternative to a life of crime and so she began to pursue it wholeheartedly and she began to work as a full-time private investigator um so she adopted the name the virtue name of sleuth because that's the virtue she wants to live up to being a sleuth because she's a tiefling she doesn't trust anybody really um she's faced a lot of prejudices over her life i don't even think she knows really what other tieflings look like besides herself so meeting chris's character is going to be a really interesting moment because she's never seen another person like her before so only other one only one person in her life knows her birth name and that's her pet mouse watson that she keeps on her at all times um that's awesome it, it accompanies her wherever she goes and she and the mouse is often snoozing in one of her pockets or on her shoulder um you better keep that mouse away from my character <laughs> um so yeah right so now. basically <laughs> basically sleuth likes to ask a lot of questions um she finds she hides like food and trignants in her pockets shit that she finds either to feed watson or to keep for herself her ideal is to help people that help her, so she's, like, kind of neutral in that respect. Her bond is secret. I'm not telling anybody what her bond is. You're going to have to discover that yourself through the course of the game. Um, and she has a lot of flaws. Um, <laughs> basically, it's, it's, it's all because she grew up on the streets, more or less. Um, she, gold seems like a lot of money to her, so she's going to do whatever she can to get more gold because she wants to build up her private investigator career she wants to she's she basically has just enough money to like set up her private investigator's office so that's all she has right now she has like no additional money after doing all that so so she's, she's basically basi jessica jones yeah yes! yeah pretty much pretty much jessica jones yeah you you pretty much got it um except instead of whiskey it's a mouse yeah, That's although she's probably going to be a heavy drinker, um, I'm not going to lie. She has trust issues. She never fully trusts anybody. Um, That's also because of the fact that she is a private investigator and she, like, is really interested in finding out people's, like, secrets, although she doesn't want to reveal any of hers. Let's see. She 
she's not above stealing if she feels that she or somebody else might need it more than herself. She is a rogue, so like even though she's trying to go straight, she has still has those tendencies. Um, she's, I'm guessing, chaotic good because she has a leaning towards that, but she has no real respect for the laws because they've never really helped her in any way. Um, so I think that's most of it. Uh, let me see. Oh, if she's outnumbered, she's more than likely going to run away. <laughs> she's just <laughs> she's never been in a situation where she's been in a group setting with like multiple people sharing the same goal or anything. She's mostly been a lone wolf, so she's usually does whatever it takes to survive. So she's not above running away. Let's see. She asks a lot of questions because she is a private investigator and um she bluntly says what other people are hinting at or hiding. So she's like very, if she know if she feels like you're hiding something or hinting at something, she will probably say it out loud, even if you don't want that to be said out loud. Um, but yeah, essentially she's, she's the kind of character who's trying to go straight, become a professional career person. And that's really hard because she's a tiefling. Um, the direction that I'm going to take her character is to be sort of like an arcane trickster, which is like a rogue, but supplemented by magic, because I feel like she has that demonic magic blood in her veins, so she's more predisposed to magic, even though she's not going to be really a magic character. What else? I think I feel like that might be it. Yeah, I think that's it. That's basically what she is. Again, nobody really... Everyone in the slums around her doesn't really care that she's a tiefling. But the better off people don't trust her. So she's trying to build up a reputation as a sleuth. So if, if something show, comes across her way that's like a case, she might want to take it. Um, I think that's it. Oh, yeah. Um, she's... Okay, so her physical description... Um, it's not too concrete, but she is a tiefling that can kind of sort of pass for straight human. So her horns aren't very, like, long. Um, they might blend in with her hair. She has a tail, but it's, like, long and snake-like. So she has a tendency to wrap it around her waist like a like a tail from, like, a Saiyan. Like, kind of <laughs> how they do that thing. So, like, her tail belt she's got, and she will, like, wear long coats or whatever to sort of hide it. Um, I think there's, I think Kevin, you and I talked about a way that she could hide her physical traits somehow. Um, well, through, you said you were proficient in disguise, correct? Yeah, yeah. From so your background or something. Yeah, so, so she's got like um, yeah, you a, disguise a disguise kit disguise or something. Kit. So the disguise kit helps her blend in a little bit more. So she's she does that because people have a tendency to discriminate against her as a tiefling. So she's trying to like hide that. But when she sees Chris's character. I don't know how how that's gonna change things. So I think it's I think it's interesting that Chris also chose Tiefling because it'll be a good because when so when anyone sees her, I think at first no one you wouldn't guess that she's that, but like if you get closer to her, I guess you would be able to see pretty clearly that she's a Tiefling. But yeah, I think I think since I grew up with Tiefling parents, like I can have I can probably see through your disguise. Like I could probably um, make you out as a as a tiefling probably pretty early on but then again I'll, i'm also like an outlander so i haven't had that much interaction with at least in my early life with other tieflings or with other 
just like people in general uh because i've been isolated for most of my life um but yeah i think i'm really looking forward to this this is gonna be really interesting yeah so she's a tiefling who's trying to pass and you seem like the most like flagrant tiefling that i've ever, like exploding <laughs> with fire and covered in <laughs> horns so well something like that's uh you know like if um Chris was going to make a check to to see if he could see through your disguise. It was something he'd need to make an ability roll at, and then, you know, based upon your skill with since you're proficient at it, it would probably be like a 15 plus ability check for him to get to see through your disguise, something like that, as far as mechanic, instead of just being like, oh yeah, I know you're a tiefling. Or, or as soon as Sleuth sees your character, she could be like, oh, fuck. And then, like, her eyes will go black. And he's like, I'm, I'm one of those two. Like, what the fuck's going on? Who are you? Are you my mom? <laughs> it's more than just me. Are you my mom? Back to, like, Superman Batman anecdotes. We have, like, our world's finest, like, pilot. And we just, like, butt heads. And then we become friends or allies. I That's, don't know. She's we'll see what happens. She's butt heads with everybody. I'm just saying. Like, she might be chaotic, chaotic good on, the, on paper, but she's going to be a hard ass. Yeah, she's gonna be a real dick. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> cool. I'm really excited. This is gonna be awesome. Who wants to go next? Sounds like you want to go last, Ryan. <laughs> no, I'm just I'm sort of like hesitant because I feel like I went somewhere so far out into left field that I'm you know I volunteer Ryan's tribute. You should go. Um, fuck you. <laughs> well. I- we should hear it, and then if we need to fix anything, you know, we can. Well, if anything, mine is, like, really simplistic. It's not It's not as extravagant as Chris's or Stan's. Well, my character's a high elf. Yes! <laughs> Sorry. Now I won't be the only one. <laughs> Whoa. Well, your character's a high elf, too? What the fuck? No, 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 so I much... didn't pick a high elf. I didn't pick a high elf, but oh, okay. it makes me a little bit happier that there's another elf, so now I feel a little bit more secure in the direction. There's so much homogeneity in this <laughs> in this party. I love it. <laughs> this is funny. Alright, so so basically my character's name is Rin. And Rin, he like started his own kind of like religion out on his own thing. Kind of like the same as Chris. But um what happened was, like, after creating his, like, village, um, they were attacked by dragonborns, and he is the only survivor. <laughs> um, so now my character is, like, very against dragonborns and distrusting of them, and that's basically where I left off. Nice. My character is five feet tall. It's like the elf height and a hundred and forty five pounds. He has black hair and that's basically all I got. Cool. Okay, I'm scared. Um, (laughs) I sort of went with I I did an elf, too, except I wanted to keep it as a as a wood elf because I like the idea of of having something sort of rooted in in nature. I almost went with wood elf. Since she's a a wood elf, I sort of tried to build a character around a specific tree in a forest. So it's sort of tied into her whole appearance. So it helps her with trapping anything to do with like 
camouflage, anything to do with like hunting in the woods. She's very good at that. She's so she's very um dark in skin tones. She's sort of like on par with the trees she was born around. Her name's Kada. She does have a childhood name because I did read that when it comes to elves, they do have child names, but she's not going to tell you that right off the bat. She's extremely distrusting of humans. She hates a particular class of humans. I cannot pronounce it, but it begins with a C. Was that the the, the Chondathians, I think, or something like that? Sure, why not? <laughs> Whatever they are. Um, <laughs> she started out... Um, as a soldier like her dad who was I, I went so far as to like pick all, like alliances and stuff like that i don't know if i was supposed to do that but um her father was with the lord's alliance so she grew up as a soldier sort of doing all of that and then tragedy struck and that has to do with her that has to do with like all of her flaws and her bonds and her personality traits so i'm just sort of gonna let that unfold like i have it written down but i want to sort of let that unfold no that's fine yeah in the game. character development and story yeah yeah um but because of said tragedy she sort of blew the lord's lines off and is now sort of like soldier turned mercenary so she uses the forest as a way to it's like her basic hunting hunting ground and uh she goes wherever sort of like the payoff is or anything like that and the way she kills her enemies is and this was stan's idea so i blame stan for this but she cannibalizes them yay (laughs) (laughs) i wanted her to use her hunting skills to eat her enemies so there is literally no way they could ever come back to do harm to anyone else and it sort of inflicts the same pain that she has felt of complete and utter destruction. I tried to make her a chaotic neutral because she does have decent qualities, but she's definitely not someone to cross because you will be hurt next meal. So, like, the first time we kill somebody, are you gonna, like, go... Are you gonna pull out a fork, like, the first time we kill somebody? (laughs) Yeah, which is why I said keep the mouse away from her because she'll see it and think it's food. Or you could try to keep it on the down low, be like stealth check. <laughs> <laughs> Stealthy snack. This person has like a toe missing. So, so one, there's whenever we get into like shenanigans and break the law, we'll have you to clean up all the evidence, which yeah, is much. great. Um, that assumes the fact that the other characters are going to be okay with that. Um, I mean, you're not really going to have a choice. At least you don't have a. a, a good paladin lawful good paladin in there <laughs> yeah yeah like it's pretty much like if you want my help you're gonna have to deal with how i deal how i help essentially mm-hmm. there's two tieflings you're not dealing with upstanding citizens <laughs> yeah but like i feel like sleuth's gonna be like well i've been hungry before but i've never been that hungry <laughs> you don't need to like everyone you're in a party with uh-huh. um ryan what class are you playing Oh, wait a minute. Did I pick one of those? I heard you say soldier. <laughs> I so did. You, so you want to be a fighter? Yes, that's Or maybe what I a barbarian? Did. You know, because I'm... You know. Or a ranger? Mm, I mean... And it gets even more complicated because you can have a dexterity-based fighter who uses bows, and you don't have to be a ranger. You just don't get magic, but... I'm okay with that. 
I like the idea of of a dexterity based fighter with bows and shit. I'm cool with that. It keeps the the appropriate amount of distance between her and somebody else, and she likes that. And elves, elves and archery go hand in hand. That too. yes, proficient in longbows. That's going to be one of your traits. So we have a fighter, a cleric, thirty six chamber, and a rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Right. That's actually not a bad party makeup. Usually a, a fighter, rogue, cleric, and some sort of caster are going to be like your traditional four. So we lucked into a traditional semi sort of group, I guess. We're just missing the stereotypical alcoholic dwarf. Yeah, yeah well, NPCs. <laughs> I, I feel like Sleuth will be alcoholic enough for everybody. <laughs> cool. Well, um... I'm really excited to see everyone's stats now. I did rolls, but uh, I didn't add anything up yet. That's fine. I'll be really honest, the whole the whole rolling thing kind of confuses me. So what am I supposed to be rolling okay. for right now? So we're going to roll uh, 4d6, so four six-sided die. I, your app probably has a way of increasing the amount of, uh, of rolls, or you might have to do it one at a time and just add them together. But... um. You have to do it one at a time for this particular app. Boo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. So you're gonna roll. You're gonna roll four times. You're gonna drop the lowest of the four again because I'm being benevolent. You can re-roll any ones. Oh, that's lit. I got like three ones. <laughs> and then the sum of the top three numbers is gonna be one of your attribute scores. Once you get all six numbers, then we can start figuring out. You know where you think they would be best allocated within your character. Okay, so Chris, because I downloaded the same app that you recommended, even though I have two more. How, like, how did you go about doing? This? Okay, so just... okay, so here's here's a simple way to do it. So when you open the app, yeah, um, there's nine die. You want the D six. It's that first one in that second row, right? Exactly. Okay. Uh, no, no, the D six. So, um, so it's. The Monopoly die. Okay, right, yeah. So all, so all you have to do is you tap that four times, okay? Done. And, and then you remove the lowest number, or if, the, if you roll ones, just write down, like, the, the numbers that aren't ones and re-roll again, and then you take you take the lowest number out of, out of those four and add them together. Okay. And then that'll be your first stat. And you okay. do that six times. Uh, one for each attribute. Yeah, so you get six numbers at the end. Okay. Okay, okay. I think I got that. Okay. I I, I did it. Christ, it might guys. sound a little broken, but I, I did I did them stats. I didn't allocate them. I just got them numbers. Alright, so what are the stats? So there's a strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Strength. Wait, you said if we got a one, we can re-roll. So should I, if I got a one in my number, should I re-roll now? Yeah, re-roll the one before you drop the lowest. Okay, so as an update, while everyone was establishing their characters, I I re-rolled stats, and oh my god, like, these new rolls suck like hell. Even with with one (laughs) re-rolls. So I'm keeping my original stats. Alright, read read us your stats then. Okay, I got some pretty decent stats. So, uh, these are already assigned. For strength, I have an 11. 
For dexterity, I have 17, which is a plus 3 modifier. And dexterity is really good for for mate, well, for monks, which is one half of my class. Basically, they use dexterity for their armor class as well as attack rolls. Constitution, I have 12, which is a plus 1. Um, intelligence is a 9, so that's a minus 1. Wisdom is 11, so that's a plus 0 modifier. And Charisma is a 14, which is a plus 2. Originally, I rolled a 12, but Tieflings have a racial bonus of plus 2 to Charisma. And for the other half, for Sorcerers, uh, Charisma is a really important for the spellcasting abilities. My two highest stats, I, I had to put into Dexterity and Charisma. So that's, so that's, those are my stats. That was the original rolls um, before I restarted recording, or we started recording. And I was pretty happy with it then, and I'm pretty happy with it now because my new rolls suck like hell. It's 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 pretty pretty bad. So if I got so no wait a minute for if for one of my rolls I have a three a five a two and a five so I drop the two and I add the three and the two fives. Yeah. Correct. Uh, yes. Oh, okay. And that's one and number out of the. And six. that's one of the numbers. So. Out of the, so I have to do that to all six, and then I pick the top three numbers. Is that how it works? No, you're going to use all six. Oh, um, okay. Numbers because there's six attributes. But what you're going to want to do is you can do it however you want. But I would recommend you are going to have some really important stats. Like for a Dex Fighter, it's going to be Constitution and Dexterity that you're going to want your top scores in. And then something like, say, intelligence, if you don't need to be very smart, you can, like, use as a dump stat if you get a really low number. What if, uh, what if you're, like, a cleric? What, what should I invest in? <clears throat> so, wisdom is gonna be your casting stat, um, and then, uh, constitution is, like, how much life you're gonna start with and stuff like that. Oh, uh, okay. And then, uh, you're gonna be using strength if you ever do a melee attack. Which clerics are really cool because depending on the school you pick, like you can be proficient with uh, martial weapons like the good weapons and uh, heavy armor, for example, uh, mm-hmm. versus medium armor. So you can build clerics a whole lot of different ways. But wisdom's going to be your spell casting. Um, okay. Yeah, I wasn't sure which one it was. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, I have my stats. Uh. I have my numbers. I didn't allocate them yet, so I can read my numbers if you want my numbers. Go ahead, yeah. All right. Yeah, because I'm st- I'm just where Stan is. I just have numbers. I don't know what okay. to do with them. I have 15, 11, 16, 14, 11, 15. So since I'm playing a tiefling rogue, I was thinking of favoring dexterity and charisma. I, uh, Stan, when you're... Going through your character, be mindful of racial bonuses. So for ability, for tieflings, your intelligence score increases by one, and your charisma score increases by two automatically. So I get plus two to charisma, plus one to intelligence. Yeah. D- does the rogue have any bonuses that I should be aware of? So as a class, it's going to give you bonuses that are not for your attributes. It's going to give you like proficiencies and skills versus uh, you're only going to get attribute increases from your race. Uh, I will mention specifically uh, for you, Stan, since you want to go arcane trickster, that intelligence would be your casting attribute. 
for those spells right. um, if you go that way. Yeah, I think I'm going to go intelligence anyway because investigation is one of the uh, the things under intelligence. <laughs> you so. could you could boost your wisdom a lot and be like uh, idiot savant. <laughs> <laughs> right, so I got my stats. Do you have numbers or did you allocate them? Yeah, I, I got both. Okay. I already allocated everything. So my strength is out of 15, uh, constitution 16, intelligence 14, dexterity 13, charisma 13, and wisdom I rolled a 17. Nice. nice. Those are nice scores. Yeah. Uh, is that including your racial bonuses? No. Uh, okay, so... be sure to apply those. So high elf, uh, high elf. you get one so intelligence. So I get the plus one in intelligence, and then plus two in dexterity, right? Mm-hmm. And pl- uh, yeah, dexterity and intelligence. Um, also, as a as a high elf, you do get to pick one cantrip from the wizard spell list. Um, it's always prepared. It doesn't count against your known cantrips. So I get to pick any cantrip. Any cantrip from the wizard cantrip list. Yeah, I just have to find it. I have no idea where it is. All right, so Andy, uh, do wait, Andy, do you have a book, or do, are you look, looking at a PDF document? Okay, so this is going to be weird, because I don't think the PDF document matches up with the page numbers on the book. Oh, it doesn't, but it's. I can try to make it work. But you, what you can do, go to the section where it lists spells, and for wizards, cantrip, cantrips level zero, you have acid splash... Blade Ward, Chill Touch, Dancing Lights, Firebolt, Friends, Light, Mage Hand, Mending, Message, Minor Illusion, Poison Spray, Precipitation, Ray of Frost, uh, Shocking Grasp, and True Strike. I want to say that, like, you should also be mindful of just not of, like, your battle build but like your roleplay build because you're gonna use those same things for interacting with people and stuff and is, is there any like cantrips that help with that yeah 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 so like not all cantrips are like combat oriented there there's like different some of them are utility based um for example um the cantrip friends you basically charm a person to act more friendly towards you it also has some like some other applications. So like if there's like a particular race or particular character that hates you, if you cast friends, they're like less likely to attack you or cast assault friends. you. Um Mage Hand is a really versatile one. Um you cast like an you 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 cast like an astral projected hand which you can use to remotely like interact with objects so it can like open a door for you it can pick up objects uh the only things it can't do is you can't use it to attack people and i think it has like a a a weight limit on how much it can like lift or carry but it could be really useful for a lot of things and it also plays into your playstyle or what you want out of your character. So for my character, um, I didn't, I haven't fleshed out her personality a hundred percent, but she's she's kind of like battle crazy. She, like she she loves to fight. To incorporate that into my cantrips, I'm gonna be focused mo- mostly on like aggro, aggressive 
uh, offensive spells. So for my cantrip, I took Shocking Grasp. So basically, if I do a touch attack, I I electrocute them for like 1d8 damage. And the more I level up, the further the damage is done. And also, it, it like stuns them so they can't take an action until their next turn. So that's what I'm kind of going for in terms of like spell selection. I cannot find cantrips in this goddamn PDF. So I think I'm going to wait to pick one. Uh, control, I think it was control F, you know, like the, the search within a document command. Uh, I think it's like control F or shift F or shift. Yeah, you don't need to specifically pick one right now or anything, but just that you have the ability to from your race. I have all my numbers, but I'm just confused to like where I'm supposed to find what I'm supposed to be applying these numbers to. Like I literally just went through all of that and I can't find that page. Okay, so for L's, their racial bonuses, uh, your dex score or your dexterity score increases by two automatically. And since you're oh. a wood elf, your wisdom score also increases by one automatically. Uh, and you said you're a fighter, right? Yeah. A dexterity-based fighter. A dexterity-based fighter. Yeah. Okay. So you would want. So your most important stats would be dexterity, since that's the build you want to go into. Constitution for health. That's right. Yeah. A fighter. A lot of fighters can uh, are going to be on the front line, so you need to soak up some. Uh, you need to be able to soak up damage and to be like somewhat tanky. Let's see. Why can't I find this? What's like the baseline stat, like where you don't have any negatives? Eight. Eight. Or, so well, if you don't have any negatives, eight is what the game considers a normal stat. Uh, ten is going to be the first one where you don't have a negative modifier. Uh, eight and nine are going to put you at a negative one modifier. So, anything like, is there anything that gives you like a, a plus one? Uh, yeah, as soon as you get up to, um, 11, 12, you're going to be in, uh, or 12 to 13 is plus one, 14 to 15 is plus two. Um, at, uh, 20, if you ever get that high in an ability, you're at like plus five. It's a scale. It'll increase. So basically every number that we just rolled, starting from the top, it would go like the first roll would be strength. The second one's dexterity. Is the third no, it's one wherever you assign it to. Yeah, you, oh, yeah, you can, okay. yeah, you can assign them anywhere you can assign it to you any, And you, you can base it, like, uh, around your character's backstory, or you can base it around your, your class attributes. Not wanting to die. You're not, not wanting, not to, wanting die. to die. Like, it depends one. on how you want to play. So, like, for you, you since you want to be a dex-based fighter, uh, and... I would, and, and you're going to be fighting on the front lines because you're you're going to be you're going to be like in people's faces. Uh, you should put like your highest two stats into Dex and Constitution, whichever numbers, uh, whichever. Should I give you my numbers? Would that make this easier? Uh, sure. Yeah. I don't because I I don't know where I'm really going to put them. I okay, got... well, I'll read off your numbers and also are these the numbers. Okay, actually, just read off your original numbers, and we can apply racial bonuses afterwards. All right, I got, after, like, dropping the, the lowest number and stuff like that, I got a 13, 11, 11, 12, 13, and 14. I feel like speed is is probably so if you're, more, more, more to something that I would like with my character. With your rolls on the modifier cutoff table, if you won't put the 14 into dexterity, because you get a 2 
plus two uh, bonus to that to being an elf, it would bump it to 16, which would change the modifier from plus two to plus three for all your attacks and damage rolls. So that's really good. For, oh, okay. <laughs> As, yeah, you, the, the higher the modifier, the better the score. You traditionally want plus modifiers versus uh, zero or negative. Um, but for any fighter, um, especially dex base, I would say dexterity, constitution, and strength are your three top survivability scores. With intelligence, wisdom, and charisma being kind of your dump stats. You didn't sound. I didn't hear any super low numbers. Um, in there so you don't have to like walk around being dumb as hell or anything but uh from the from like since you're not gonna be well technically there's an eldritch knight warrior offset of fighters so you could get spells eventually but (laughs) depending on how you wanted to go with your build intelligence wisdom and charisma can probably just be whatever you want without really too much uh negative impact okay um, so I have a question. If I say put charisma down as fifteen, is that a plus two to charisma automatically? Correct. Yeah. So, so then I technically get a plus four because I'm a tiefling. Well, it's not going to be. It's the charisma boost is plus two to the ability score base. Um, so if you started with four, fifteen. Uh huh. Uh, it would still leave you at 17, and 16 to 17 is the plus 3 modifier. It's still really good for charisma. So I... So... Hold on. Okay, so your original score was 15. Yeah, well, and 15, as an I example. Think it, 15 is like a plus 2 modifier, but since you get the racial bonus as a tiefling, that 15 is bumped up to a 17, and a 17 is a plus, plus 3, three modifier. modifier. So that means I get... I'm I'm rolling with a twenty in charisma, technically. No, no, it's it's um, so it would be a seventeen as the ba- uh, as the final stat number, including your racial attribute, and you would uh use um plus three to your modifier. So if you were um casting a, a charisma spell, it would be whatever you roll. Um, plus three. Plus three. Plus your proficiency bonus, because I assume you... Well, you're not a caster, so it doesn't matter. But um, anything you're proficient in that would take charisma, like a disguise kit, probably. Yeah, or, uh, or, or persuasion. Yeah. Alternatively, for for a rogue, I mean, uh, some charisma-based skills that you might be, you might select. I don't know what skills you you chosen yet, but like deception, mm-hmm. uh, that's a charisma. That's good for rogues. Uh uh, it, maybe intimidation if you want to like scare off some people. Uh, performance, yeah, well, persuasion, you know, sleight of hand. So I'm thinking stealth. like charisma. You need, you need a lot of charisma to be a detective. So I'm thinking. All right, that's what I was. Con- I was confused with the plus. I know. Okay, so now that I know it's applied to roles, it makes more sense. Yeah, it's it's um you can and. As you guys level up, if you continue these characters or just play in the future, whatever, throughout your leveling, there's an ab- you get the ability to add plus two to a stat or plus one to two different stats of your base attribute abilities. So you could increase either um, you know an already jacked stat to where you have a really high modifier, or if you had some bad rolls, increase a low number up past where 
you would have a negative modifier as your character advances. So yeah, eventually, if you just dumped stuff into the same skill over and over again, you could be with a plus five modifier at a 20 ability score. Mm. Eventually. What, okay, how low, how low is it going to be for me to get a plus one to the... Uh, plus one is going to be any 12 or 13. Okay. 10 or 11 is going to give you a, ne- a, a a neutral zero modifier. And then anything below that, we start to get negative modifiers. But, I mean, you don't have a bad character if you have negative modifiers. Like, you know, take the example of the barbarian with a ton of strength and zero intelligence. Like, right. So, my uh, constitution, not that important, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> if if you don't think you're going to be soaking up a lot of damage, then no. Mm, but yeah, rogue, rogue, mm, squishy rogue. No. <laughs> Sorry, that's I'll what have the my like. Is for. I my, mean, we, my teethling sister in arms will like absorb all my damage for me. Yeah, <laughs> and we also have a cleric, so it's, it's uh, it should be okay. <laughs> so. You guys will notice that your ability on your character sheets, your ability scores have like two places to put numbers, and I don't. It doesn't matter how you want to do it. One's going to be your actual ability score, the raw number, you know, plus any racial modifiers and blah blah blah. And the other one will just be whatever your modifier is at that time for easy reference. So you don't need to look at the score and consult a table. It'll just be like strength, ability score twelve underneath plus one or a big plus one and a small 12 however you guys want to write it we have a lot of dead air while we try to figure out where we're that's fine post post production we'll, we'll cut it out we'll be fine. i didn't believe my teachers that i'd need to use math all the time uh. <laughs> yeah this is like my weak spot yeah i got a i got a minus one to my math uh, <laughs> uh you know, again because of the way they've they've built the rules and everything like that this is going to be like the most clunky part of the whole process as far as things coming together well at least we're getting that out of the way on its own separate episode yeah see like here's the thing is like kevin was nice enough to say that you re-roll ones but on my second roll i kept rolling ones so the third time i re-rolled it i was like okay you know what i'm just gonna fucking leave it because i just it's just going to keep giving it to me. That's why my second roll wasn't 11. The universe is just like, no, you're getting one. a one. Exactly. And it gave me two ones in the same roll. So I was like, well, I'm going to drop <laughs> the one of them anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think I roll, I re-rolled a one like four times in a row. I gave well, up just after give me a while. Different number. I gave up. I was just like, I'll just take, I'll just take it. It's okay. <laughs> I'm going to clear you in, God. Like, out of all my rolls... There are only one, twos, and threes, which is why I do, I I could not like I could not use them. Oh, uh, your was, character would have been so broken; it would have been hilarious. I know I would have died like on the, the within like the first ten minutes of the campaign. It's gonna be it was just horrible. So yeah. So while people are doing that, just another thing I do like about fifth edition is um, they really uh, tailored it to to work with like a theater of mind type of mindset as opposed to all the old editions where you would need to be at a table with battle maps and stuff like that and um maps are still super helpful to figuring out where the hell you are in a room but (laughs) 
hopefully with with accurate descriptions and some reminders of where people are, it'll it'll work out. But Theater it's also the mind. Theater of the mind. Like, that's all you really need. Well, it's all, yeah, it's also made it av- available to a lot more people because, like this, I don't need to drive up to New York to see the three of you people to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, I mean, now you have Skype, you have Roll Twenty, you have like Tabletop Simulator, you got a whole bunch of things. I definitely think I'm still gonna go back to Barnes and Noble and like buy the book. Yeah, oh, you I should. That for sure. It should. Yeah, it's helped good. a lot, actually, getting just yeah. saying fuck it and buying I have, the book. Right, I have all this stuff printed out, and I'm sitting here like drowning in paper. Because I'm trying well, to find everything. Yeah, just get one of those like sticky flags, just bookmark exactly. the important pages, and you're good. So here's a question. Should I have balanced stats, or should I really like pony up on like one or two? I mean, that's, that's really up to you and how you want to play the character. Um, I tend, on characters I build, to, to min-max the crap out of them, like my druids are all dripping with wisdom and <laughs> that's how I, that's how I, I build characters i've been maxed out of necessity because like my m- most of my average stats were like meh and then my two my two high stats i had to dump into the decks and and charisma and it was also more from like a lore narrative standpoint that that factored into my decision as well so i have a quick question what what is insight and like would I be using it? So insight is gonna be like uh, to tell if people are lying to you, mm. um, or you know, kind of if their motive is uh, genuine. Um, you do an insight check, like if you didn't trust someone or you thought that they were sending you on something for their own nefarious purposes. If you roll high enough on insight, you get kind of a view into whether or not they're being sincere. And that's a that's a wisdom based uh, skill. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's wisdom. All right. I think I might have an idea now. Um, a a lot of the skill checks can kind of overlap a little bit with each other. Like, um, you know, for like for example, you know, uh, to dodge something, you know, you could dodge it using um, dexterity check, of course. Uh, but say you're a fighter and you have a lot in strength and you're, which is athletics. Could you dodge it with athletics? Probably. So, you know, you could sort of overlap skill checks with other skill checks. Or if I ask for a dexterity check and you have a high strength and none of you do, cause <laughs> you're all dex classes and casters, uh, you know, and you're like, Hey, can I make that check with athletics? I would probably say yes. Okay. So just because I ask for a specific check doesn't mean that you can't try to use a different one if, you know, you think it might uh, pertain to it. How's everyone doing on the stats? Uh, I'm good. My stats are done. I I think I'm okay. I'm I'm still a little fucking lost, but I'll get it eventually. All right. um, One more time because I'm I'm an idiot. You're not an idiot, Stan. All right, what what would be the bonus if I had 14? Uh, For 14, it's going to be plus 2. Okay, and 16 is... Plus 3. Okay, so I think... I think I have my stats. I think I finally figured out what my stats are. Let me me read this, and you guys tell me if you think these are good stats for for what I'm rolling with, okay? Strength is 11... Dexterity, I have 16. 
Constitution, I have 14. Intelligence, 16. That's including my plus one. Um, Wisdom is 11. I figured she's not going to be very wise living on the streets. (laughs) Street smarts, but like, you know. Um, And Charisma, 17. Whoa. Sounds good. Charisma, 17? Yeah, that's with my racial bonus. Same with me. What up? So that so then so every time I roll I get a plus three to charisma if I'm using charisma the affiliate scores. yeah like thing yeah yeah I figured I figured I'd put sixteen and in, instead of like blowing up charisma I would just put it in I would put the sixteen I got into dex because I might need that and I I was gonna put eleven into constitution but I didn't want to be that squishy so I put I put fourteen and I figure like ah oh, it might be funny if I don't do, if I don't like pass an insight or whatever if I'm using it. But if I remember correctly, for like for rogues, armor class is based on dexterity as well, right? I perhaps I maybe is that right, Kevin? If you say um, so. I'd have to double check. I know that there you're going to be restricted to light armor because yeah, because I know rogues can only like I think it's like light armor at least. Uh, rogues. Okay, rogue. You're gonna be proficient in light armor. So wait, what? Are, what are my hit points? Alright, so your hit points at first level. Uh, you're gonna take your Constitution modifier. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, my Constitution modifier was plus one. So you take the number eight plus your Constitution modifier. And that's your starting HP. So Wait, for me, Chris, you're starting with nine HP. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing with your fists and your magic in like one hit? You're done. Like what is going? <laughs> that's why we got a cleric. I mean, it's. I mean, how I signed it. That's be- that's better than like the crappy rerolls I got. So. <laughs> well, I was thinking of doing eleven in in Constitution. Now I feel fine with my fourteen. Like <laughs> I'll carry you, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> so so does that mean my my hit points are 16 if I have a 14 in constitution? Well, everybody everybody is a little different. Um like uh casters are going to be like 6 plus the constitution modifier, rogues are 8 plus your constitution modifier. Oh, so I I also have 9 hit points. Yeah, <laughs> we're both squishy. <laughs> so wait, what is All right, wait. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> ah! So it's same. So it's not fourteen plus two. No, no, no. It's it's, not, it's your modifier. No, no. It's it's eight plus your modifier. So it'll be uh for you, Stan. You have a starting HP of ten. So wait a minute. What do I have a starting? Wait. So I, why, I, wait. I, why the fuck did I put fourteen points in the Constitution? Like, what am I using <laughs> the, those numbers for? You're you're using it for the modifier it gets. I'm so, so happy Stan is just um, as confused as I am. It's okay. With with. Like for example, if you had a if you had a, a an eight or a nine in Constitution and your modifier was a negative one, mm-hmm. you would start with less hit points. You would start with so, seven. All right, I guess ten is ten is okay then. Ten's actually not bad for a starting we're, character. We're you only guys level are weak. one. We're only newbies. Um, uh, by by uh, like you can increase by double every time you level up if you roll well. Andy, you're going to be at 10 HP, or actually 8 plus whatever your constitution modifier is. How do I know modifier my constitution is. modifier is? Okay. I'm looking it up. Well, your, your, your modifier. You are going to be, you're going to be 10 plus your constitution modifier, Ryan. 
Oh, but what is my what what is the constitution? What's modifier? what's your constitution score? Oh, thirteen. Okay, so it's going to be plus one, I think. I think that's yeah. No, wait. Thirteen no, plus th- one. Okay, that's right. So you're going to have eleven hit points, Ryan. Ten plus one. Ten plus one. So I have I have eleven hit points. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that good? It's it's decent. One better it's than me. Not it's terrible. not terrible. It's not bad. <laughs> and you said my constitution would be eight. It, plus it's going to be eight modifier. plus whatever your modifier is for constitution. So my HP is ten. Also important is um, writing down the hit points you gain at each progressive level. So like, so your hit dice, uh, it's based on whatever class you are. So for you, Stan, which each level uh, you gain. Or each rogue level you gain, yeah, you get to roll a one d eight die, and you add that to your max HP. Got it. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll ask again when the time comes. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. we'll we'll go over leveling up when you guys level, level up. up. Yeah. All right. Well, I got my stats done. So there's gonna be some stuff on there like passive perception and um, initiative. I think everybody should have a walking speed of 30, except Ryan, who's 35. I can walk five miles faster. Five, yeah. <laughs> five, five little five. squares faster. <laughs> <laughs> if we were using maps and stuff. I'm pretty sure your passive per- perception is going to be 10 plus your wisdom modifier, but I'm just going to double check. See, the book's not that great. I don't remember where it is in <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a big book. <laughs> While I'm flipping through that, uh, there is a thing called inspiration, which is basically um, just if you do something cool or if you do something that plays into your character, but maybe necessarily isn't great for the group. Like, uh, you know, if you have sticky fingers and you steal all the time and you steal in front of a quest giver and you guys get thrown into jail, not a great outcome, but you're playing to your character. Um, I, I guess as the DM can grant inspiration, um, which is basically just advantage on your next role to use, like when you guys want on like an attack roll or a skill check or something like that. But they just kind of worked it in as a reward to, uh, play a character as it, as it should be versus maybe as you think it should be. So passive wisdom perception um, it's going to be 10 plus whatever your wisdom modifier is. And what does that do exactly? So if you were just like to walk into a room, um, it's your ability to notice something without actually doing a perception check, um, which would be a d20 roll plus your wisdom modifier. Um, just like, did you notice that secret door without checking for it type of deal? Or did you notice that there's a giant spider hanging from the ceiling that, you know, you didn't look up to specifically check, but, you know, could you sort of spidey sense it? So, wait, so maybe maybe I should increase my wisdom then, because if I'm in a detective and I'm walking into a room... Wait, what's your wisdom right now? My wisdom is 11, which means 0, which means 10. Mm. So if I'm going to be a detective, maybe my wisdom should be higher, so my perception could be higher? Well, that's just your passive perception. If you actually check for stuff, it's going to be based on your dice roll plus your modifier. So, you know, you could be rolling 20s all day with a perception of, passive perception of, like, you know, basically nothing if you want. But that's up to you. 
Um, so just to summarize for like role playing and 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 like roles and stuff, wisdom, it basically measures how good you are at awareness, intuition, and insight. So I feel like you with you being a detective, that's pretty important. Um, but it's your character, so you can uh, um, do what with you what you will. And Andy, while well, he's uh, he's figuring that out, since you're actually a legit caster and not some weird class that we created um <laughs> hey hey you're gonna I have love my character you're gonna have two uh two two stats um your spell save dc which is if you cast something the difficulty challenge of uh a, a, an enemy resisting it or an npc mm-hmm. and then your spell attack modifier um so your difficulty is going to be eight plus your proficiency bonus, which is two uh, plus whatever your wisdom modifier is. So eight plus two plus your wisdom modifier. If you cast a spell that they have the ability to try to resist it, that's the number that they need to get. Okay. So it would be 13, eight plus two. And then my wisdom modifier is three. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, with the, how leveling up works and you can increase attributes, you can increase your wisdom, which it, you know, in turn increases how hard okay. it is to resist your and spells. And what's the like spell that. attack mod? So your attack modifier is just going to be your wisdom modifier three plus your proficiency bonus plus five. So anytime you're attacking with a spell, it's whatever you roll on a d20 plus five is your chance to hit. So it would be the three plus five plus the die roll? No, it's just going to be your die roll plus five. Oh, okay, okay. So the three from your modifier and the two from your proficiency bonus to get the five. Oh, got you. Whatever the dice roll is. Okay. And that'll be the same for Chris when he picks up magic, but I don't think he does that until like second or third level. I think it's second level. Uh, and your proficiency score is going to be added to skills you are proficient in. If you haven't picked a background or anything yet, both your class and your background are going to give you the ability to select from, um, or they will just have the ability to uh, uh, be proficient in things. So like, for example... As an elf, both Ryan and uh, Andy are going to be proficient with elf weapon training. So proficiency with longsword, short sword, short bow, and longbow. They yes. just get that by being elves. Then your background will also give you uh, proficiencies and stuff. Uh, extra languages, um, skills, things like that. You usually have to pick from a list of like, you know, it'll say pick two out of the following six. Um, Andy, as a high elf, you actually get an extra language just for being a high elf. Oh, nice. So you knew elvish, common, and then whatever the hell you want. Then um, your classes are also going to give you uh, proficiencies. For example, using a cleric um, for Andy, they're going to be proficient in just for being a cleric. Light armor and medium armor, shields, all simple weapons. Uh, the wisdom and charisma saving throws, and then it'll say skills, choose two from history, insight, medicine, persuasion, and religion. Your ghoul, I guess, is what they're called. What are they called? Your divine domain, 
will give you more proficiencies depending on what you choose as a cleric. And then your background will again give you some options uh, with proficiencies or extra languages and stuff like that. And you'll see a lot will overlap sometimes. Obviously, don't choose the same thing twice. I mean, you could, but you don't become super proficient in it. It's just the normal proficiency. Guys, uh, unfortunately, I have to start getting ready to leave. I feel like those things are things we can all sort of figure out. <laughs> um. All right, hold on. Uh, Kevin, how long is your would your prologue be? To... Not long. It's like a couple paragraphs. All right, so we just wrap up the prologue, and then whatever extraneous things uh, that we don't need Andy for or Andy to be around, uh, we can handle. Chris, you're gonna have to do a shitload of editing in that last like 20 minutes. <laughs> I, it's fine. It's fine. No worries. Um, so yeah, Kevin, you could just wrap up with uh, with the prologue, and then we'll just. What's up, pals? Before we start the prologue for our Super D&D Pals pilot, I just wanted to get some housekeeping out of the way. You'll find that in the background of this prologue, there is ambiance and background music, as well as really cool sound effects to really amp up the immersion. All the music and sound effects were produced and made available by TabletopAudio.com. Tabletop Audio is an awesome service to provide uh, original 10-minute ambiance and music for your tabletop role-playing games. And they also launched a separate platform called the Soundpad, which provides a number of sound effects to spice up your game even more. It's a really great web-based browser program. It's super easy to use. And they have genres of music and sound effects that are perfect for any type of campaign. So they have fantasy, sci-fi, historical, modern, nature, and horror. It's a really great platform. I highly recommend it. So go over to tabletopaudio.com and check it out. Tabletop Audio is 100% advertising free. So if you like what they do and you want to donate, you can go to their Patreon page or you can donate directly on the website to their PayPal. So again, that's tabletopaudio.com. Check them out and enjoy the prologue. So for for Andy and Ryan, I have a, a mechanic to get you guys in here. But um, since I had some information with like Stan and, and I wrote Chris's background, so I knew what was going on with it. Uh, <laughs> um I have a little something just to kind of get them to where you'll, well, you'll see. Um, so, uh, uh, and Chris, most people call you Cesar. Or we're going to refer to you as Cesar. Yeah. Cesar. Like no, your... no one, no, no one aside from my old master and my old students knows my real okay. name, but Cesar is like the name I'm going with. So just for, for flavor, Faerun is the con is like the continent that we're on. Uh, the Sword Coast is like where the famous cities that the games are all based in. Neverwinter is up north, Waterdeep, Baldur's Gate, stuff like that. It's sort of where all the happenings are happening. Anyone who wants to be cool. So, uh, Seiza, you've traveled far across Faerun in search of children, gifted with wild magic to bring back to the Mage Fist Academy as new students. Um, 
Moving from city to city, you stop in any orphanage looking for unexplained magical occurrences, offering gold in exchange for your new recruits. Nobody misses an orphan, and it's easy. Uh, it's, it's this search that has led you to the City of Splendors. Arriving in the evening, you pass through the south, ga south gate into the city, deciding to find a place to rest for the night after your long journey. There will be plenty of time to visit the orphanage in the morning. Wandering around the south ward of Waterdeep, you stumble into the Spouting Fish, a middling tavern serving the traders and travelers of the area. Entering the tavern, uh, there are a few patrons spread out among the tables. Uh, giving them a once-over, you take a seat at the bar and uh, order a drink from the bartender. Uh, <clears throat> Rogue. After a long day in the south ward of Waterdeep, you wander into the spouting fish with your last ten gold, intent on spending it relaxing and forgetting about your last case. Nobody said detective work would be easy, but missing children take a toll heavier than most. You take a seat with your back to the wall that has a clear view of the door, cautious as always. A half-smile creeps across your face as you feel Watson shift in your pocket, no, no doubt dreaming of exotic cheeses. The moment passes and you compose yourself before signaling the waitress for a drink. So the Spouting Fish Tavern is kind of a middling tavern. You got some portraits on the walls, unknown individuals and their best finery. There's a crackling fire in the hearth, a bartender and one waitress. It's early evening, the sounds of people heading home, and crickets fill the streets outside the tavern. As rogues drink comes to the table, she can't help but notice that there's a, uh, a tiefling just brazenly sitting at the bar. Horns all out there for everyone to see. She can see that there are sideways glances coming to these people, uh, coming from these, the people in the tavern to the, to the tiefling sitting at the bar. Before she can give it too much thought or delve into a inter uh, <clears throat> existential crisis about how she hides her tiefling uh, Ness and this one just seems to let it all out you hear the sounds of shattering glass and a bunch of small little metallic spheroids come bouncing through the windows into the bar they start spewing black thick smoke you can't see through it it's hard to breathe people are starting to freak out um Sounds of alarm come up from the patrons of the tavern. Uh, these are followed by additional small spheres that you only hear bouncing on the floor as they fly through the already broken out windows. But as opposed to the first uh, small spheres, these start to explode in fiery bits of shrapnel flying everywhere. Um, Stan, if you're paying attention, why don't you go ahead and if you have a dice there, you want to roll a dexterity check just real quick? Sure. A D20? D20. <laughs> yeah, D20. Just, just roll a D20 and <laughs> add whatever your dexterity modifier is to it. Okay. I got a 14 and a plus 3. So okay. 17. Um, <clears throat> so as one of the spheroids explodes, it does so from under the table, it launches it at you. Um, you have the, the foresight to kind of do a, a matrix dive backward thing out of the way. The table shatters against the wall that was behind you and feeling the splinters um, bouncing off you and, and um, sort of just not, not penetrating your, your clothing or anything, but, you know, pricking you as, as high speed splinters would. Um, 
you start to lose consciousness. You see the the tiefling at the bar start to slump over as well. Um, some of the patrons have actually already passed out or are on fire actively, uh, or are possibly dead from from some of the explosions. As you guys fade to black, you see a couple individuals open the front door of the tavern and walk in. They're wearing masks, obscuring their faces, and probably helping them breathe in this uh, uh, environment, and everything fades to black. As you both wake up, you kind of feel yourselves rocking back and forth in your environment. Um, It's very quiet. There's a a little bit of rattling of metal, and as you... uh, come to you you realize that you're chained to a wall in a in a small cell um with uh one other person the tiefling from the bar that you saw earlier is in the cell with you uh as you guys gain consciousness you look across the way and there is an identical cell with two other individuals uh across the way um chained exactly as you are manacles uh, above your head to to both arms and that is where I leave you guys. Dun dun dun. Woo! Dun dun dun. Kind of that too, bitches. Cool. All right, so this was the prologue slash our character creation episode. Uh, I believe this is episode ninety nine. Episode ninety nine. So uh, episode one hundred. Uh, when that posts, that will be our first actual foray into. Our, our campaign. There's going to be a lot of dice rolling. There's going to be a lot of shenanigans. Um, we're going to be really excited. So uh, thank you, Kevin, for being our DM and take us into you. this wonderful world and this brand new adventure. I'm really, oh, thank you really excited. Cannot I'm wait excited to start to be this here. adventure. Hell yeah. I know. I'm stoked. Cool. All right, Andy, you can get out of here if you want. We're going to wrap up. All right. Uh, All right. All right. Peace out, Andy. Peace. Later, guys. Have a good day, bud. All right. So uh, this is episode 99 of the Super Nerd Pals podcast. Uh, I don't know if uh, we're going to have like a special name for this pilot or and hopefully the ongoing campaign. Uh, D&D Pals. D&D Pals. <laughs> that works. Just keeping Super up with, the, pals. Super with, pals. with the theme. Yeah. Okay. okay. Well. Um. So. Uh. But again, like always, um, it will all be on the same RSS feed. If you like Super Nerd Pals, Dragon Chat, and if you like this, uh, Super D and D Pals will all be part of the same feed. So all you have to do is subscribe to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Overcast, any podcast player of your choice, it'll all be on there. You can follow us on our normal social media channels. So we have our Facebook group, Stan. Facebook.com slash group slash Super Nerd Pals. Thank you. Uh, We also have our Twitter at Super Nerd Pals. Um, We also have Instagram, Tumblr. Um, All you have to do, just Google Super Nerd Pals. You'll find us. Uh, We have Monopoly over that. And you can follow us individually on Twitter. So you can follow me on Twitter at Kyo Ninja for Hire, K Y O Ninja for Hire. I'm Stan Gadurski. You can find me on Twitter at Stan Doom. And uh, and Ryan. <laughs> yes. Uh, you 
you can find me on Twitter at the underscore red underscore horror. And yeah, that's yeah. it. That's all. Cool. I got. <laughs> uh, Kevin. You cannot find me on Twitter because I generally hate people or just well, haven't you, joined, if whatever. If you follow us on the Facebook group, Kevin's very active on there. Kevin's there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you, you also yeah I like stuff, stuff too, all so. the time. I'm a I know, big like, liker my, of stuff. Like, I blow up everyone's notifications for how much I post. And with Kevin in particular, I get like 300 likes and it's all because Kevin likes my post. And it's so it's so endearing. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Well, I was I was sad when you went away. Like my Facebook alerts dropped off staggeringly. I was like, "Oh wow, this is all I do with Facebook." And it's and it's pretty funny because like whenever I'm gone, like you like on fa- like the Facebook activity drops, and then you message me like, "Hey, are you alive?" It's like, it's like yeah. yes, <laughs> thank you for checking in. Um, but yeah, so thank you, everyone. And this, again, this was episode 99. We really hope you enjoyed listening to our character creation stuff, our backstories. And if you're a new fan to D&D or old fan, we hope uh, we hope all this is interesting and and maybe it'll inspire you to play D&D as well. So let's ho- here's the hoping that that'll happen. Uh, so we'll see you in episode 100 when the full campaign starts for real. And uh, oh my god, I'm so excited! All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.